I'm Devorah Vale. I'm a life and wellness coach and the host of this podcast. Welcome to Accessing Your Best Self, a space meant for exploring the wisdom of Torah and its practical application for improving our character. So, this is a new series, and it's called Ahavas Chinam, or Ahavat Chinam, which is basically loving others for no good reason, or, you know, just because. And the reason that this is a term that's been coined, I don't know if it's a recent term, I've been discussing it with my yeshiva sons who say there's no such thing, but whatever. It's definitely a term that Rav Cook used. Uh, Rav Cook, from, uh, who was the, I think, the chief rabbi of Jerusalem. Uh, first chief rabbi, thank you. And, um, of course, it's been coined because of its, uh, it, it's the opposite of what we call sinat chinam. And as many of you know, uh, we just began the month of Tammuz. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz was last week. And this begins sort of the period that we go into leading into the destructions, destruction of both temples that happened on the 9th of Av. And it's a time when, again, like every day in Judaism, always has a reason for us to be introspecting and, de- de- you know, developing ourselves and improving ourselves. It's a time when we say, what's the antidote to Sinat Hinam, which caused the destruction of the second temple, right? The Gemara says that in every generation that the temple is not rebuilt, it's as if it was destroyed again. So behold, door of a door, every generation has to look at itself and say, if the Beit HaMikdash has not been rebuilt, it means that we have not yet repaired the Sinat Chinam, this causeless hatred, this inability for Jewish people to see the good in each other, to look away from the things that bother us or disturb us and focus on the good. Rav Noach Weinberg used to define love as seeing the virtue in another, right? And that's a choice that we make because he says there's no person without virtue, without some good uh, point. Even somebody who's not, you know, necessarily the nicest person in the world, we're not going to go to the really evil people in the world, but, you know, like I say, Hitler, Yamach Shemo, maybe he helped an old lady across the street once. I don't know. And we don't want to go to that extreme. But, you know, we don't have to go there. Just in our daily lives, there are people that we can't seem to find any good in. And that's our job is to do that. Um, so this is a time of really working on that. Just one of my favorite jokes that probably you've heard, but I love this one. It's for the older generation, of course, um, or a little bit older. And that's about a man who goes to the doctor. And uh, as he's leaving, he says to the doctor, you know, I'm really worried about my wife. I, I, she, I, her hearing is going. She, she has a serious hearing problem. And I'm not sure what to do about it or how to present this to her. So the doctor says to this patient of his, this man, he says, listen, I have an idea. When you go home, today I want you to check and see how bad the hearing problem really is so this is what you do when you go in the front door you call out to her and you know so he decides he's going to do this he goes home he opens the front door he yells out to his wife who's in the kitchen getting dinner ready hi honey I'm home what's for dinner 
and she doesn't answer. And he's, of course, thinking, you see, there's a problem here. So then he moves a little bit closer into the living room and he tries again. He says, hi, honey, I'm home. What's for dinner? And again, she doesn't answer. So he goes right next to the kitchen where she's busy clanging the pots and pans and getting things ready for him. And he goes, hi, honey, I'm home. What's for dinner? And she turns to him and says, for the third time, meat and potatoes. <laughs> anyway, that, that, that never, yes, that always gets a laugh. And, you know, the depth of this joke is really that so often, right? We think it's the other guy, right? It's the other person. They've got the problem. If only, if only they would change, if only they would be different, if only they would be the way I want them to be, then everything would be so much easier. Why can't people cooperate, right? Human relationships are so tough and yet, Human beings are wired for relationships from the time, from the inception of the first human being, Adam, in Gan Eden, right? When he's looking for a partner and God says, it is not good for man to be alone. We know that human beings are wired for social relationships. And we've lived through a year now, or more than a year where we know even more greatly how devastating it's been for so many people. Loneliness, all these studies that I've been reading, Harvard studies, et cetera, the rise of loneliness, of social isolation that the pandemic has caused, has led to all kinds of mental illness, all kinds of anxieties, inability to sleep, um, depression, et cetera. Um, and, you know, it's, it's been caused, of course, many people who suffer from this are people who are in the older generation. But the truth is, is one of the studies said that um, those hardest hit are older teens and young adults. That 63% of young people reported experiencing substantial symptoms of anxiety and depression. Because loneliness creates all kinds of issues. So we know that this crisis has had a major impact on mental health because, you know, of the fact that we've been, we've ha been having to social distance and decrease our interactions between other people. Now, I mean, on the other hand, we've also had a lot of, a lot of quantity time with those in our inner circle, right? With those in our home, with those people who we interact with on a daily basis. As, as my neighbor who lives next door to me has got three kids and we've been sort of watching them on the porch going through this pandemic, thinking that they're doing very nicely. She once turned to me and said, it's just not normal for families to spend so much time together. You know, it's not normal. Okay, so, you know, we've got both things happening at the same time, right? The social isolation, the depression, the loneliness, and then the too much, the too much time together, which has also been an incredible stress and has forced people to have to sort of speed up their avaspinam, right? To sort of put the accelerator on trying to find the good in those who we live with and in those who live around us. Okay, so let's get started then.
So how do we develop more ahavas chinam? In other words, loving other people. How do we develop that? Because if each of us works on this just a little bit more, Hashem will respond, God willing, and bring us the time that we are hoping and praying for. When God willing, the Beit HaMikdash will be rebuilt, when the Jewish people will come back to their land, and more, more so than ever, where suffering and pain and loneliness and everything that people have been going through and will end or will be relieved. So what can we do? How can we help this hasten, hasten this? So it's interesting that, you know, ahava, loving other people is a mida. It's a character trait, right? Some people come into this world. We talk about this all the time when we speak about character development. Their homer is that they have a natural love of other people, right? They enjoy other people, you know, um, and, and, and they're interested in other people. And they're extroverts, perhaps, too. But you don't have to be an extrovert to enjoy other people around you or to find the good in other people. So some people have an, a, a more developed home air in this. And most of us, whatever, we struggle with it. There's people we naturally like. There's people we don't like, etc. But it's very hard for us to gauge where we're holding truly when it comes to how much we love other people. You know, in other Musarvadin that we've done together, jealousy, sadness, uh, you know, uh, I think people have a greater sense of, mm -hmm, yeah, I get jealous. Mm -hmm. You know, whether you're really a jealous person, whether you really struggle with it, whether, you know, it doesn't really bother you that much. Sadness, you know, are you somebody who's prone to depression, somebody who has a hard time getting up and getting going in the morning with a positive attitude. But when it comes to Ahava, what Dean Schoonmaker says is that a lot of people don't really know where they are on that spectrum of loving other people. But basically, if you ask a person, you know, are you a loving person? Are you a warm person? Are you a friendly person? Most everybody will say yes. Now, you might look at the person next to you who's saying yes and say, boy, are they delusional, right? But most people will say, yes, that's the way I am. And, you know, we wouldn't say, no, I'm actually very cold and I'm very snobby. You know, there's not too many people who might answer like that. So why is this? Why do we see ourselves as already possessing, so to speak, ahavas chinam, that we love other people unconditionally or that it's easy for us to love other people? You know, I always think of the Linus cartoon. You know, I love that saying that he said, you know, I love mankind. It's people I hate, you know, so, you know, we can, we, you know, we can fool ourselves. But um, anyway, so what Dina Schoonmaker says is the reason that so much of so many of us think of ourselves naturally as loving people is because we picture ourselves with people who press our feel good buttons. Okay, people who bring out the best in us, people who we love to be around, right? Our friends, the people that we choose in our lives. So we picture ourselves with that smiling face, with that warmth. And so we say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a lover of other people. I love other people. But um, in reality, and for those of you who've taken 
another class with me or perhaps the Hakata class back at Clanton Park. I think it was the first one we did around Naomi's table. Um, you'll know that there's this idea of three circles in your life, that we have three concentric circles of relationships. Now, the inner circle are the people in our life that we don't choose. These are the people that Hashem gives us. These are our relatives. These are our children. These are our parents. These are our siblings, our brothers and our sisters. And if you're married, it's even the spouse that you chose. Now, I know we all think we chose our spouse, etc. But there's an idea, right, that God actually chooses our spouse even before we're born, whether it's a spouse we stay with or a spouse we switch to another spouse, but it's all there. And, you know, as much as we might think we chose them, it doesn't take too long until we say, what was I thinking? You know, whoops. Okay, this is a, this is going to be a, yeah, this is going to be a lot of work. This is going to, this is going to take some character development to make this happen, right? To make this good. So to, to put that smiling face that I have for circle two people. Now, who are circle two people? Circle two people are the people you choose. They're the people in your life that you enjoy being around, that bring out the best in you, that you want to meet for coffee, that when you have extra time, you're running to see them, that you just feel loved and accepted. And even if you're not perfect, and even if they know your flaws, they've got patience for you, they've got time for you, they'll put up with them because they like you. And you're easy to love. And they want that relationship. They chose it. They acquired it. Right? Because whenever you, you have a new friend, it's an acquisition. It's something you work to acquire. So that also makes it special. And, and it makes it bring out the best in you. Okay? So those are the friends you've chosen. Maybe mentors maybe nice neighbors that you've become friends with. And that's your proactive inner circle. And then, of course, the last circle, are, which is called circle three, are the people that you interact with casually, right? Strangers, uh, people at the store where you shop. Now you can go into clothing stores so you can regain those relationships if the lady's still there and survived the pandemic or whoever it is that you interacted with in those places. So those are your circle three people. They're also the people who cut you off in traffic, right? They're the people who come in and out of your life, the mailman, the lady behind the counter at Hermes Bakery. You know, They're all the different people in your circle three. Okay, so now that we've got that in terms of our relationships, so in most cases, when you imagine yourself as a loving person, you're probably envisioning circle two, okay? You're envisioning your circle two people. So the question to ask ourselves, and this is how we can really gauge not only where we are in terms of avas chinam, but also in terms of how we can get better at it. The question we have to ask ourselves is, what about the people that I didn't choose? What about the people that Hashem put in my inner circle? How loving and nurturing am I with those people? 
Now, there are instances where a circle one person and a circle two person can be the same person. For example, you have a sister-in-law that you really get along with well. And you would say to the sister-in-law, you know what, even if you weren't my sister-in-law, I would have chosen you to be in my circle too, because we really, we really get each other. We really like each other. So that can happen. But generally speaking, you know, people in our circle one press our buttons and they make it hard, you know, at times to show that loving, warm person that we perceive ourselves to be, that we have a natural ahava towards. You know, there's certain children, even in a family, that press your feel-good buttons, and then there's others that do the opposite. And this could happen even from the time they're little, right? I've said before that the word tikkun, which means to repair, right? We always hear it in terms of tikkun olam, repairing the world around us. But the true tikkun and the most difficult is tikkun olam, the world inside each one of us, right? Because each one of us is a microcosm of the world out there. And it's reflected by how much work we've been able to do in tikkun ba'atzmi, in my own inner tikkun, and how much I've worked to develop myself. So, you know, you can have a kid, the word, same word for tikkun are the same letters in the word tinok, child, right? So I always like to say that the kid who gives you the most difficulty is the one who is asking you to do the most tikkun within yourself, right? They're demanding that you work on those parts of yourself that are not completely at peace, you know, that need to be addressed. And the kid who you naturally, you know, get along with and it's easy and you like being with them. And even if they weren't your kid, you would have chosen them to be in circle two. Maybe you have a kid like that, right? So that's, that's easy. That's easy to be loving and warm and nurturing with them. They are appreciative, right? They always say, thank you, mom. You know, they don't take you for granted. They see you as a real person, you know, so those, those people are easier. Okay. Um, so these different circles, these three circles will get us in touch with different ways that we experience people in the world and relationships and the people around us. So the people in circle two are the people who show you what you're capable of being at your very best. They take a snapshot for you of who you are in your most loving, warm, nurturing, forgiving way. And that's the circle that we need to sort of take a picture of to inspire us. Because this is how we wanna look with circle one and circle three. Because circle one and circle three show me where I have work to do. And they're the litmus test. How do I treat strangers? How do I treat the waitress in the restaurant? How do I treat people who I interact with? You know, do I give them the benefit of the doubt, the person who cut me off? Do I try to judge other people favorably? 
do I look for the good and give people, you know, again, the number, you know, at least a few excuses for their behavior that I would certainly give myself. So how do we treat people in circle three? And of course, the people in my inner circle, you know, the ones that Hashem chose for me, for me to do the hard work of being metakane, fixing myself. How can I be more loving and patient and warm with them? Okay, so that's basically what I want you to think about. And basically in this class, and we're going to have more time, so we're going to talk more about it. The homework for this part of the class is to choose someone in your circle one. Someone who really rubs you the wrong way most of the time or doesn't really seem, just don't seem to get each other. They don't trigger your feel-good buttons. And try to make them feel like they're in your circle too, right? Because you even have it that sometimes a circle one person knows that they don't have the relationship with you that they really want. They see you interacting with other people. They see you interacting with people in your circle too. They see how freely your love is flowing. They see how relaxed and enjoying you are with that person. And secretly they're wishing that they had that relationship with you, that they could enjoy that with you. And so what we wanna do with this Avas Chinam course is to try and stretch ourselves to choose one person this week who's in our inner circle. And it doesn't have to be your family member. It can be somebody you're living with in, in an apartment, right? Somebody that rubs you the wrong way or somebody, you know, who's in your life that, you know, you see a lot of, but, um, and, and it's a responsibility to see them. But the point is, is that you want to try to make these people that you're not particularly excited about feel like they're in your inner circle, the way you greet them, the way you smile at them, the warmth that you exude. And that's the challenge, to make somebody in your circle one feel like they're part of your circle two. And that's the litmus test of how well we're working to develop our ahava. Okay. Now, the word chinam means free. So you want to give this person ahavas chinam, free love, not like in the 60s, the 70s, not that kind of free love, right? Free love. What does free mean? It means that if a store is giving out something for free, right, you don't have to be worthy. You just have to get there. You just have to get there on time, right? You don't have to be eligible and you don't even have to pay for it. It's completely free. So the idea is, is I'm giving you free love, not because you're necessarily worthy of it, not because you're my type, right? Not because you did so much for me or you reached my expectations or because even that you have pain in my eyes, you know, that there's something about you that I just like, but just because, just because it makes me a better person, right? It's not about the other guy. It's not about the other person. It's because I'm going to stretch in that area. I'm going to make myself bigger, right? As it says in the Torah over and over again, I want to turn my heart of stone 
into a heart of flesh again. One of the promises that we will have, you know, with a better world, with a liberated world from its shackles of oppression and pain and hatred and anger. Within each one of us, we'll turn a heart of stone into a heart of flesh that beats and that loves. Even those who are so different than us, who are so not our type. Even those in our circle one who are our constant uh, work and demand us to have to enable to reach our own shlemut, our own completion, demand us to have to pay attention to what these people provoke within us and how we can become more at peace with it. So again, we're going to treat them as if they're circle two in a tiny little increment. And that's called growth in this area. Now, let's face it. Realistically, the love will not come as naturally as you have it with a circle two person. But you're trying to access that place of warmth and love. And if someone was watching you from the outside and they had no idea that this was not a circle two person, but rather a circle one difficult person, Perhaps they wouldn't even know by the way that you're treating them, by the warmth and love that's coming out of you, that this is actually a very tough person in your life. Okay, so that's, again, I'm just painting an image of where we want to get to and how to make this mida of ahava real, practical, concrete steps that we can make to know that we're moving up the ladder. Those circle one people are the people that help us do that. Those people that we didn't choose, right? That are our homework, if you like, okay? Um, okay, so let's go on. So the easiest circle is circle two. The circle two people, again, they get my natural, freest, loving side. They're the people I choose. They're my friends. They're the people who bring out the best in me. They're the ones I enjoy being around. They're the ones who will turn the other way if I do something weird or crazy or, you know, inconsiderate. That's a blip on the radar screen, right? So they're the easiest ones. The next circle that's the easiest, we'd all have to admit, would be circle three right? Those people that come in and out of our life, those casual acquaintances, those strangers, the people that you interact with in the store, on the street, etc. So Rabbi Daniel Meshavetz, who was a Talmud of the Altar of Kelm, the Altar of Kelm, of course, was one of the major Musser masters in Europe, in pre-war Europe, in Navardic, I believe the yeshiva was called Navardic. So he was a student of his, and he says that when you meet a new person, somebody in circle three, right, who's not yet your friend, who's not yet in your circle two, or maybe never will be, he says what makes you free-flowing in your love for them is that there's almost an adrenaline that begins when you're meeting somebody new because there's this desire to acquire a new connection. So this new person is a possible acquisition. 
okay? It's like I have to buy something, right? I'm, I'm about to buy this person, so to speak. And that's, it's no coincidence in the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos when it says, buy yourself a friend, acquire for yourself a friend. And the commentators very literally say, you want that person as your friend? You know, you have to woo them. You have to buy them little presents. You have to make, you know, make yourself attracted to them that, you know, this is this is a good idea. So this rabbi says that whenever you meet somebody new, you have this certain rush of the idea of acquisition. You're just introduced to someone. You see the good in them immediately, right? You have no reason not to. And you feel loving towards them. But it's also because in some way you want to win them over. Right? You want to be looking your best and you're kind of looking at them. Let's say it's somebody that you would like to acquire, uh, somebody that you've just met. And therefore, what this rabbi points out is sometimes circle three people get more effort than circle one. Okay. You know, you're all primed to like look your best, be your best, make your good impression, acquire this person in terms of, you know, letting them know that you're somebody who could be liked, who should be loved, you know, and that you're looking at them in this favorable way and seeing all their good parts of them. So he says that circle three get a lot more effort than poor little circle one. Circle one, again, for those of you who just tuned in, those are the people in our immediate circle who we did not choose, who God put in our circle, relatives, siblings, children, husbands, if you have, Baruch Hashem, and those people in your life that don't always bring out the best and happiest feelings or face in you, okay? So, and why is this, right? Familiarity breeds contempt. It's the tendency of a person to devalue his immediate family because the closeness is already acquired. You don't have to acquire them. You don't have to buy them. You don't have to, you know, woo them over to you. They're there. They're going to be there. And in the, during the pandemic, they've been there more than ever. Right? So, you know, you sort of let everything just go with them. But again, they don't get as much attention as something new that you want to acquire. And that's why you can be extra sweet to other people. But don't ignore your blood relatives. So in terms of circle three, there are some people, and this again is based on our character traits. There are some people when they're meeting somebody new, their adrenaline is pumping and they're, you know, just raring to go. They're excited. But there are other people who are overwhelmed and feel overextended with circle three people. They don't have energy for new people, for other people. Perhaps they're more introverted. Perhaps it's just not something that they want to arouse their energy for. But there are people who are naturally extroverted who don't find circle three difficult, right? They actually enjoy meeting new people. It, like I said, it pumps up their adrenaline. There's a certain acquisition here that, you know, I'm going to be trying to get them to like me because I like them and I'm sending that vibe that way to them. Okay, but an introvert would rather talk to old friends and not make new friends. Introducing themselves, whether it's at a wedding and you're sitting at a table with everybody, is a real struggle. 
So there's a story here about Rav Volbe, who died not so long ago, who was basically uh, considered to be the mo a modern-day Muslim master living in Israel. And he wrote many books. Ale Shor is his most famous one. And he said he once went somewhere and he met an old man who came over to him and took his hand. And he had never met this old man before. And the old man took his hand in his and he asked him, what is your name? The old man asked this Ravolba, what is your name? He obviously did not know who he was. And of course, he told him, my name is Shlomo Volba. So he said this old man kept repeating his name over and over again. Shlomo Volbe, Shlomo Volbe. And he did this in such a way that he said, it was like really feeling like appreciated, of feeling I'm so important to you. And he was sort of showing him how meeting any Jew Every Jew is so precious and the opportunity to love another Jew is always there. You just have to take the time to recognize the depth of your love for another Jew because we know we're all one people, right? We are indivisible. We're like one body with one soul. Now, I have to say, of course, I'm not on that level. But I have to say that growing up in a small town, and maybe Arlene can relate to this, growing up in St. Catharines or Kitchener or, you know, Hamilton or London or any of these places, one of the things that we small town Jews, I think, share in common is the excitement that we had, first of all, of our specialness and that every Jew anywhere to us was just like, so exciting to me. Isn't that true, Arlene? Were you like me? Did you go to the movies and like you'd watch the credits go down on the on the, on the big screen and that little theater in St. Catherine going Jewish, 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 not Jewish, not Jewish, 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 right? You were so proud and excited that, you know, there were Jewish actresses, Jewish producers, whatever. That's just the tip of the iceberg. But, you know, you just felt like Every Jew that you would meet in the world is just like so exciting to meet them. And, and another time that we had this experience was when we lived in Binghamton, New York. My husband and I were rabbi in Robinson in Binghamton, New York, which is in upstate New York for five years. And we were desperate for people like, you know, I used to joke that we'll, we're going to put these tacks out on the highway at the exit sign to Binghamton so that some New York Jews traveling from New York to Toronto or from Toronto to New York, you know, would get their tires punctured right at Binghamton. And we'd have some Shabbos guests. We'd have some, you know, Jews, new Jews coming into town. Or, for example, we'd be in these, this huge park in the Binghamton area. It was called Ostenango Park. And it was huge. And it was like in the middle of the highways. I don't know. And, you know, when we take the kids there, there'd always be like a, an obviously looking Jewish family, like at the other end of the park who'd stopped on their trip from New York to Toronto, right? And it's like we had to hold our kids back. We were like, Lutzman, you know, and we, we'd all start running towards these New York Jews who were like, who are these weird people? Like, what do they want from us? You know, like, oh my gosh, you get in the car, everybody, whatever. But the point was, is we were so excited. We were so excited to see another Jew. 
And, you know, like I, I married a Toronto guy. I mean, I know he couldn't relate because Jews who grew up in big cities, they grow up in the shtetl and they really don't know the feeling. Now, I hate to be cynical, but, you know, I say like, you know, unfortunately, it was only after I became more religious that I started finding out about Sinat Chinam, you know, well, wait, you can't like those Jews because they're, they're wearing the wrong color kippah, you know, and you can't like those Jews because they go to the wrong shul. And you certainly can't love those Jews with those strimals because what are they doing back in the 1800s? Anyway, the point is, is that that excitement, that love, that preciousness that we should feel for every single Jew who's a part of us. And of course, this extends to humanity as a whole, but we have to begin with our own kind. If we can love one another in our own family, right? And in some ways, the entire Jewish people is part of our circle one, right? Um, then that obviously emanates to loving other people and not wanting to speak badly about other people out there in the world as well. But this is where the work begins. Um, Dina Schoonmaker gives a personal story too, that she used to go from Israel to America for camp in the summer. And for those of you who know, have heard of Camp Sternberg, she said she went to Camp Sternberg and she didn't know anybody there. And, you know, of course, it was a bit terrifying to go to a camp. I think she was going to be a counselor there and not know anybody. And she said when she came in, she was greeted by someone who was so excited to meet her. And, you know, she, she was treating her as if they knew each other. And she was trying to remember, like, do I know this person? Like, I, I'm sorry, I, I, don't, I don't know who you are. I don't recall meeting you before. And this girl says to her, no, you don't know me. I just wanted to come and greet you. So she was in 10th grade then. And she said the same woman that came to greet her at camp in New York, Camp Sternberg, in 10th grade, and made her feel like we know each other because her greeting was so warm and so loving. She said this same woman today is one of the biggest names in Chesed in Jerusalem today, which is not... You know, it's not uh, surprising, she said. Um, she said, I was circle three in her world, but she was treating me like I was circle two. And that's part of Ahavas Chinam, treating a new acquaintance like you're really excited to be with them. Not because you want something from this person, not because you have something to gain from it, so to speak, but rather because you have another Jew to love. So it's like this, this old man who took Ravolba's hand and was repeating his name over and over again. He was basically saying, thank you, Hashem, for giving me another Jew to love. Now, if we could go with that kind of a mindset, right, with every Jewish person that we interact with, even in this wonderful metropolis of Toronto, where there's so many, you know, when we moved to New York City, of course, Brooklyn, from Binghamton, okay, where there was a, there were no Jews, very few, you know, we were obviously so excited, and we thought everybody's gonna like, be so excited about us. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's like, no, we're, this is Brooklyn, okay, like, another Jew, big deal. Who cares? So what? You're, you know, you're not a precious commodity here. 
So we have to work on this, especially if we come, and even if we've been living in a big city, it's amazing how quickly it wears off. We have to work on it. Um, so again, back to Homer. This is a Hashem-given gift. Some of us are naturally warm and loving with Circle 3 people, right? With people that we meet here and there. We make them feel like Circle 2. We don't really have to work on it. And, you know, you see people's homer right at the beginning of their lives. You see it with babies, right? There are some babies naturally who are just screaming and crying all the time. And there are babies who are always smiling. And the same baby, right, in a wet diaper, one of them will be going nuts over the wet diaper and crying and screaming. And the other one will sit in it for, for hours and hours and hours with a smile on their face. So, you know, even there, we see that people are wired differently. But we all have to work on ourselves. And that's what's called Sura. Sura is taking that God-given raw material that Hashem gave each of us in this area and upping it and making it our own, putting our signature on it, shaping that homer, that piece of raw clay into something beautiful. And the effort means so much to Hashem. Even if we fail, and even if we fake it till we make it and we don't feel it inside, the fact that Hashem knows that we're working on loving others, especially those who are difficult to love, a little bit more, showing some kind of warm and loving face just because, and we're going to talk about this, just because. And I think we're going to save that for next class. But there are some people who have hearts who have an endless capacity for receiving more new people, right? There are people who daven uh, every morning and have a list of 50, 60 names of people that they're davening for, whether it's a refua shalema or that they should get married, or that they should have children, or that they should have parnasa. There are people who know these names by heart. I've witnessed it. And are constantly filling their hearts with all the people that they're loving, that they're concerned about. There's teachers, right, who every year get a whole new class of students. And they could ask themselves, how am I going to love these students? You know, it's a whole new group. Or sometimes you have with parents after they have their first child, right? And they're so obsessed with their first child. They say, how could I have any more? I have no room left in my heart for more. I'm just totally and absolutely absorbed in this one, right? But we know that the heart can take in so much more and so many more when we allow it to the heart of flesh, the heart of stone that turns into a heart of flesh. And the same way Hashem is not limited, that he cares for billions of people at the same time, right? We can emulate Hashem when we're willing to take on new people. And I'm talking about circle three people now, right? I'm talking about circle three people who aren't in your circle too, but we're talking about expanding ourselves, seeing those people outside our circle and bringing them in and loving that Jew and wanting to expand our circle. You know, one of the things I was reading from this Harvard study about why loneliness and mental illness has hit young people more than ever is because they said we live in a hyper-individualistic society. 
right? Out there in the secular world, individualism, which Rabbi Jonathan Sachs has spoken about, which has really gone haywire and ruined the social networks of life. Hyper-individualism, not feeling connected to people around you, even without the pandemic. But of course, the pandemic's made it much worse because it's made it... Uh, the 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 um the effects of that kind of thinking have been uh exponentially felt with this pandemic baruch hashem when you live in a jewish community and you're part of a shul and you're part of a network of people certainly we've suffered too but the suffering has been less because even when the world is functioning as normal we already recognize how important it is to have this interdependency on one another, to help one another, to be there for one another, to call a lonely person. You know, it was interesting, one of these Harvard studies, the professor was saying, we have a moral obligation in our society, and this is coming from the secular world, to make sure that other people aren't lonely, to make one phone call a week to somebody who we perceive might be lonely. So it's about this circle three you know, when things are normal, and, and especially now that they're not, to try and expand yourself and bring people in that you wouldn't normally necessarily make such an effort for, okay? Because avas hinam, loving other people for no good reason, if you'd like, is like a fire. The more you share it, it doesn't become diminished. A fire doesn't become diminished by lighting a thousand candles, right? Rather, it, it grows within you. And it's that feeling that is ahavashinam, that mida, that character trait, where we have this overall feeling of connection and love for the other. And we want to bring them in. We want to develop that connection. So how can we work on this mida? How can we be more free-flowing with this love, this unconditional love? This, you don't have to earn it. You don't have to be worth it. It's free. It's, you don't have to be eligible. You don't have to do anything for me to acquire my desire to love you. My free love, free love, free love. Not like the 60s, again. But proper kind of free love, right? The, the truth kind of free love. Um, so we're going to end also. So we've said one thing that the homework is first of all, to choose somebody in your circle one, that's difficult, whether it's a relative, a mother-in-law, a mother, a sister-in-law, a child, a spouse, and Decide that you're going to try and teach this, per treat this person in your circle one more like a person in your circle two, right? Circle two people that always press your feel good button, that bring out your warmth and love so naturally, that make you feel like the absolutely best person that you can be. We know, right, that if, if they do that for you, that's your, that's your image of yourself at your best, that you're capable. You're capable of fostering and, and feeling that for a circle one person, even just a little bit more, right? Fake it till you make it. If when they look at you, 
interacting with a circle two person, they're jealous because they say, I wish I had that relationship with her. I wish she was as happy and free flowing and, 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 and relaxed with me as she is with that person. Right? So we're trying to, to make that person feel that way. And the, and the second part of the homework is to take a circle three person, right? Somebody who it shouldn't be too difficult. People that are outside our circle who aren't yet part of our circle two, but somebody who we want to pull in, who we want them to feel like circle two, right? Treat them like a circle two. And it doesn't have to be somebody that's going to become circle two. It could just be the lady at the cash register, right? It could be the person that you're usually rushing with, but you take a moment and really talk to them and really listen to them and feel, I love you. You're part of me. Okay. So just again, that's the two, that's the two homeworks for next week. Okay. And this is our litmus test of how we're growing. You know, in Ahavas Chinam, we all say I'm a loving and warm, wonderful person, but we're usually picturing ourselves in that frame with our friends, with those people who bring out the best in us. So we want to see how we can, you know, create that person in situations where it's much more difficult with people who don't naturally press my feel good buttons. And then again, with people in circle three, who we might just tend to ignore or we might just tend to feel like, you know what, I don't have to, I don't have to start with them because I got enough going on. I don't have any more room for them. But stretch yourself a little bit. Well, maybe I could have a little more room, a little more time, a few more moments just to make that other person feel like they're in my circle too, or they would be in my circle too. Okay, ladies, we're going to stop here.